0: Afternoon, we've come to Word's Day 18 in the Highlander Catechism. Tell what we confess regarding Christ's ascension into heaven. Word's Day 18. What do you confess when you say he ascended into heaven? That Christ, before the eyes of his disciples, was taken up from the earth into heaven, and that he is there for our benefit until he comes again judge the living and the dead. Is Christ then not with us until the end of the world as he has promised us? Christ is true man and true God. With respect to his human nature, he is no longer on earth. But with respect to his divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit, he is never absent from us. But are the two natures in Christ not separated from each other if his human nature is not present wherever his divinity is? Not at all, for his divinity has no limits, and is present everywhere. So it must follow that his divinity is indeed beyond the human nature which he has taken on, and nevertheless is within this human nature, and remains personally united with it. How does Christ's ascension into heaven benefit us? First, he is our advocate in heaven before his Father. Second, we have our flesh in heaven as a sure pledge, that he, our head, will also take us, his members, up to himself. Third, he sends us his spirit as a counter-pledge, by whose power we seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and not the things that are on earth. stands Psalm 68, stand to 7, after the Sermon. Brothers and sisters, in the Lord Jesus Christ, that includes you, boys and girls and youth of the Church, members of God's covenant, do you believe that the Lord Jesus will one day return on the Isles of Heaven to judge the living and the dead? The reason I ask that question is because if you confess that the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven, and that He sits at God's right hand, then you must also believe that He will return. That's what He promised. While He was on earth, He told His disciples that after after His resurrection, He would return to His Father in heaven. But He also promised that He would come back. His ascension into heaven is temporary. And there is a purpose to his ascension that has everything to do with how we live here on earth. His ascension is actually a calling for us to prepare ourselves for his return. His ascension places us before the question, Am I ready for Christ to come back? Am I living as a child of the Lord? So to summarize the sermon, in this way, we confess that Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. We'll consider four things. Why he ascended, how he remains with us, why he left us behind, and how we will yet see him. We read from Luke 19, a parable of Christ told about a old man who went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then returned. Jesus was obviously referring to himself in that parable. After his death and resurrection, he remained on earth with his disciples for forty days, and then he ascended into heaven. He went to heaven to receive the kingdom. He went there to fulfill the words of Scripture, and to receive his reward from his Father in heaven. That was his second step of exaltation. First, he rose from the dead, he received the glorified body, and now he goes into heaven to receive his kingdom. This is what was prophesied, for example, in the Psalms. The ancient doors were lifted up so the King of Glory could come in, in Psalm 24. And Jesus spoke about this himself before he suffered and died. He told his disciples, I am going to my Father. He spoke of the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. And he spoke about this as if it were the most natural thing, the most obvious thing, the most logical thing that could happen. In his life and in his preaching, Jesus taught and revealed the coming of the kingdom of God and his kingship. In congregation, he had a right to talk this way. It was his right because he had completed and fulfilled the task on earth that his father had given him, his task to be the sacrificial lamb for the people of God. He had died for his people, and he had defeated his enemies, sin, death, and sin. And according to God's promises, he had a right right to the kingdom of God. Think of what we read in Psalm 2. The Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. According to this promise, Jesus Christ had the right to enter glory, had the right to receive his kingdom. He had been obedient to all that the Father had given him to do, we heard also this morning. And because of his obedience, he was taken up into heaven. And according to what Paul writes in Philippians 2, God therefore exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God, the Father. So Christ went to heaven. He was taken up into heaven so that he might receive his kingdom, the kingdom given to him by his Father, the kingdom over which he reigns as the mediator of his people. It's noteworthy that the Catechism uses the words he was taken up, taken up from earth into heaven. And this is scriptural language. This is how Luke writes at the end of the Gospel of Luke and also at the beginning of the book of Acts. We read that Jesus was taken up or carried up into heaven. He did not flee from the earth. He did not uh, leave in order to escape life on earth. He did not go to heaven to escape the difficulties on earth. But he was taken up into heaven. And he went with the explicit intent of returning. That's also clear from the parable of Luke 19. He went to a far country. He ascended into heaven to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. And the kingdom that he was to receive was not the far country to which he went, but it is the country from which he started out from. He did not leave this earth just to go on an extended vacation or to enjoy while his earth rests. He did not leave this earth so that he could just simply enjoy his glory while his followers remained on earth. But he went from earth to heaven with the goal of returning to earth from heaven. That's what we confess in the Apostles' Creed and also in this Lord's Day. He is there for our benefit until He comes again to judge the living and the dead. That's also what the angel told the disciples when they were staring up into heaven. They were gazing in amazement at what had happened when the, when the Lord Jesus left. The angel said, This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw Him go into heaven. And so congregation, that means that Christ's ascension... Is a temporary thing. His dwelling place in heaven is not permanent. And we confess that he is there temporarily for our benefit, to prepare a place for us. That's what he promised the disciples in John chapter 14. And that promise holds true for everyone who believes and trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that promise means more than that he is preparing. To take us to be with him in heaven when we die. He is busy making preparations for this earth to once more be a place of glory and splendor. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They were meant to be close. There was continual traffic between heaven and earth. There was communion between God and man. But that connection was disrupted by sin. And after the fall into sin, heaven became the only place that is free from sin. And the earth became the kingdom of darkness. But Christ's ascension now connects earth and heaven again. What the first man destroyed, Christ has repaired. And now it's possible for us to live in communion with our Heavenly Father. Thanks be to what Christ has done. The impossible has become possible. That's why it's also so important to stick to the confession that Jesus rose bodily into heaven. Because it's it's not a natural or a normal thing for someone to to go into heaven. For someone of flesh and blood to go to heaven. Heaven is a place where God dwells with his angels. But for a flesh and blood person to go to heaven, that's an extraordinary thing. And yet that is what Christ did as our mediator, as the head of his church. And his ascension is a pledge. It's a guarantee that one day, that the connection between heaven and earth will be completely restored. And Christ's ascension is the beginning of that restoration. It shows that heaven and earth really belong together. John describes it in the last book and the last chapters of the Bible. And His bodily presence in heaven is a sure promise promise that that flesh and blood can be in the presence of God. It proves that flesh and blood can be in communion with God in heavenly glory. And so Christ's ascension then is evidence that, that the line of communication between heaven and earth is restored. There's a connection. And together, heaven and earth contain the kingdom which Christ has received from His Heavenly Father, and He is Lord of it all. Because this is the kingdom that He has received, that means that creation, the world, will not be destroyed, the world will not perish, but it will be renewed. The Lord Jesus is not going to abandon the kingdom that He received from His Father, but He's going to restore it to glory. And on the day that Christ returns to judge the living and the dead, heaven is going to come down to earth and God is going to dwell with man. And then the connection between heaven and earth will be fully restored and we will dwell with Christ forever here on this earth, this renewed earth. That congregation is the guarantee of Christ's ascension. Now all of this does not mean that Christ has temporarily withdrawn himself from us. He he has not abandoned us until the time of his return. He remains with us as he promised his disciples, right? Just before he ascended into heaven, surely I will remain with you always to the end of the age. And that's a promise that the Lord Jesus repeated to his disciples several times. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. He's not a savior who abandons his work, or the people for whom he died. <laughs> and the Lord Jesus repeated this promise because he knew that his disciples were full of despair. Right. They, about his impending yeah. departure, it, it scared them. How can we go on without Jesus? It was daunting for them to think of of life without the presence of their friend and savior. In fact, it would be impossible for any follower of Christ to live without him. And yet he left this earth, but he also remains with us just as he has promised. Not bodily. That would be impossible. And I imagine for a moment if Christ had remained on earth physically until the end of the age. Then who would benefit from his presence? Only a select few people. And however wonderful and romantic it might be to, to wish that Christ was physically present, that maybe he could attend a church service with us one day, that would be of no eternal value with us. congregation. His physical presence would not be sanctified for us Instead, He is present with His Holy Spirit, with His divinity, majesty, grace, and Holy Spirit. And in that way, He is never absent from us. I am with you always, He said. The that does meaning for us every single day, he doesn't it? When we get out of bed, and when we go back to sleep. Whether it's a good day or a bad day, He is there. We never need to be afraid that maybe tomorrow he won't be there or that he might be somewhere else. And so we don't have to be anxious about what tomorrow will bring. I don't have to worry about how I will struggle through the needs and cares of tomorrow. Of course, that doesn't mean those difficulties won't be there, but Christ will be there with me. If only I begin each day by seeking him out. I ask for his grace and his spirit, and if only I rely on his divine presence throughout each day. And then Christ also promises to be with us until the end of the age. Scripture tells us that at the end of the world the Antichrist will appear, that there will be an increase of wars and famine and disasters, that the end of the age will be a dark time for the church. And how would the church be able to weather the storm, congregation, if it were not for the presence of Christ? But he has promised to be there right to the end. He is the head of the church. He is the divine pilot, so to speak, who's at the helm. And he holds that helm in his hands. And he steers the ship safely to the heavenly harbor. And so with the Son of God on board of the ship, we don't have to be concerned about whether or not we will reach our destination. And so we do well to listen carefully to the promise of our Savior. So often we get, get the wrong impression when we think in a wrong way about His promises. As if Christ promises to keep the storms of life at bay. And then when we we encounter difficulties and struggles and the storms of life threaten to overwhelm us, we wonder about Christ's promise never to leave us or forsake us. Well, listen to what he said. I am with you always. I am going to the Father to prepare a place for you. And it is better for you that I go away. And, And you might wonder, well, do those promises really add up? What they do, they add up very precisely because he remains with us, not as man, but as God, with his divinity, grace, majesty, and Holy Spirit. And he continues to work from heaven for the sake of his church and his people. And if someone asks, "Well, well, can you prove that? We can say yes. In the book of Acts, Luke begins by writing, In my former book, So that would be the book of the Gospel of Luke. In my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus (coughs) began to do. And so then in the book of Acts, he's writing about what Jesus continues to do (coughs) from heaven. The book of Acts records the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church and records for us the work of the Holy Spirit in and through the gospel congregation. The church is living proof of the presence of of the grace, and majesty, and the divinity, and the spirit of Christ. From the time of Christ until today, the church has been persecuted, and hated, and threatened, but she still exists, and she still continues to grow. If it had not been for Christ's divine presence, the church would have disappeared long ago. And when we think of the countless number of Christians who have suffered hardship and loneliness and persecution and torture and still remain faithful to their confession, then we can only come to one conclusion. The only reason they remain faithful unto death is because of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were preserved by His Spirit. Revelation, those who have gone before us, they are witnesses of Christ's presence They they are witnesses that Christ is never absent from us. So let that be your encouragement too. For living your life as disciples of Jesus Christ on this earth. Consider how faithful Jesus is to his church. He is the heavenly bridegroom preparing his bride for the great wedding feast in the kingdom of heaven you and I who believe in him are individually members of the bride, would you then not also take care that we will be there to That raises another question. Why then did Christ not take his church with him when he ascended into heaven? Why, why leave us behind? Well, in the first place, as you just heard, we haven't really been left behind, right? So Christ is with us with his Holy Spirit. And by faith we're one in Christ. By faith we too are enthroned in heaven. In the presence of God our citizenship is in heaven. Our life is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. And Christ, Christ could have taken his church physically with him. But he didn't do that. Because many more people still need to be gathered into that church. And the church remains on earth because we have to serve Christ. We have to serve Him in that task. Christ is working to prepare for the last day. And we are called to work with Him to prepare for that day. And so we have to be busy with that. But He also enables us, again, through the power of His Holy Spirit... It is the Spirit of Christ who who brings His blessings to us. And He changes our hearts. He gives us faith. He makes us willing and able to fight against sin. And that's a blessing that maybe sometimes we overlook or don't think about often enough. The ascension of Christ means that we can look forward to heaven. But at the same time, we have the blessing of His Spirit to work in His kingdom while we live here on this earth. In the parable that Jesus gave to His followers, the nobleman who went on a long journey gave each one his service: some minus, ten minus. That was about three months' worth of wages, and the amount is not the key. But what the servants did with those minas, that's what counts. We've all been given many gifts. We've been made alive in Christ, we've received the forgiveness of sins, the promise of eternal life. We've received the Holy Spirit and God's Word. The congregation, that's, that's only half the message. The message of the Gospel is not simply that your sins are forgiven, the gospel also calls for a response. So that's the question. How do you react to that gift? What do you do with it? What is Christ's sacrifice worth to you? It's no use dreaming about heaven if you don't want to live for Christ here on earth. So the Lord wants to know and see how you react to his sacrifice. He wants servants who will be work in his kingdom. He wants to know if you're sincere in your worship. He wants to see if you put your faith into action. And again, we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean we're allowed to be lazy sailors on the ship that Jesus is piloting to the heavenly harbor. You ever wonder why those servants only received a limited number of money? Why would the one servant only receive three months worth of wages? Well, that's because God that would force them to go to work. Right? If he had left them with an enormous amount of property and an enormous amount of wealth, well, they could just sit back and relax and wait until the master came back. But he did not make their masters. They continued to be servants. Several times during Jesus' ministry the disciples wondered if they would receive thrones or special privileges in Christ's kingdom. But when Christ went to heaven he did not make them kings or emperors. He didn't even make them bishops or popes, but he made them into humble servants. They were apostles. They were proclaimers of the gospel. And he gave them Enough gifts so that they could do that work. Someone who starts with only three months worth of wages has to be patient. Has to have a commitment. Has to have fortitude and perseverance. And above all, he must be faithful to his master. Well, so it is with us. The Lord Jesus calls you to faith. We want you to love Him and be faithful to Him. And So again, we need to ask ourselves, Is the Holy Spirit at work in our life? Do we seek the things that are above, where Christ is? Do we seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness? Are you thankful that you are not your own, but that you belong to Jesus Christ? is the fruit of the Spirit evidently in your life? Often when we look at ourselves or in the church around us, we can can wonder, where where is the fruit of the Spirit? Where is the Spirit of joy when I'm busy complaining? Where is the Spirit of peace when I'm busy just pushing my own agenda? Where is the Spirit of faithfulness and so often I am spiritually lazy. Where is the spirit of self-control when I'm giving in to temptation? Where is the spirit of zeal when I so often fritter away my time on frivolous activities? Brothers and sisters, you cannot get to heaven writing on the coattails of the faith of your parents or grandparents. And we're not going to reach the heavenly harbor by by trusting the church to get us there or by being Sunday Christians. So let's not go through life with our eyes closed to this truth as if these things don't matter. Jesus demands all or nothing. And one day he's going to come back and demand a reckoning. We will seek him again. And he will want to know from each of us how we have used the blessings that he has given us. Blessed indeed is that servant who can say, "Lord, your minus has made ten one, more, or five minuses more." He will receive his master's praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. I will make you master over ten cities or five. Scorn to work with what Christ has given you. If you think you can ignore the gift of the gospel and of God's word, and if you only live for yourself, then on the day that Christ returns, you will be differently disappointed. So, congregation, it should, should speak volumes to us that that Christ is in heaven, not only as God, but also as fully human. We confess that Christ is our head, he is the head of the body which is the church, of which we are members, and he lives before God as the, the first fruits of that great multitude of people that will one day join their head. And the letter to the Hebrews reminds us that Christ represents us there, and he intercedes for us there. And he constantly reminds the Father that he has shed his blood for us. And his presence in heaven is a sure sign that one day his church, his bride, will join him. But in the meantime, he asks that we love him and that we serve him. And he's not asking too much of us, is he? Would you dare to tell Christ on the last day that he asked too much of you? When you see the scars in his hands, would you dare to tell him you demanded too much of us? Knowing what he has done for you, is there really anything that you would want to withhold from him? And so congregation, let us therefore pray for the Spirit of Christ need Him. You can't do without Him. And the Lord Jesus knows that this is our greatest need. And He will gladly give this to you when you ask for Him in humility and true faith. We know that He will answer that prayer. That's what He promised. He has received all power in heaven and on earth. He has received the power to pour out His Holy Spirit on His church and on each member of the church asking for this gift. Pray for the rich blessings that come to us with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Pray that He will bless you in this way. And ask Him to fill you more and more with the desire to love Him, serve Him, to live with Him. Thank Him for everything He has done for you. Amen.